Holidays are around the corner, and it's time to hunker in for winter, and we decided what better way to celebrate the holiday season by looking back on the warm summer movie season on episode 69 of the podcast. (laughs) Cue the music. Welcome, everyone, to the Entertainment Buffet Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Prosek. And I'm your other host, Jessica Quaz. So, Jess, it's a little late, but we're doing it. We're, we're reviewing the summer movies. Finally, we are. I mean, like we said in the last episode, our summer was crazy, so we didn't have a chance to do it then, towards the end of summer. Yes. So... We decided to do it now because it's an annual tradition here on the podcast, and we have to do it, even if it is, like, two months behind. That's okay. Better late than never. Yes. And uh, as we joked before we started recording, like, there's not a ton of Thanksgiving movies or shows, and it's already a holiday that isn't really known for good things, Uh, so we decided let's, let's reminisce about... You know, the summer, and uh, since we didn't get to talk about it, because obviously there's a lot of big movies that came out. Um, So, as just said, this is a tradition. We've kind of molded some categories that we've done the last few years. If you want to check out our other summer movie reviews. Um, But yeah, Jess, uh, have you been watching anything recently you wanted to mention? Um, The Crown. The Crown just came back. Okay. And it is excellent. It's uh, Olivia Coleman is just I uh, like uh, I love that woman so much. Like I don't even know how to put it into words how good <laughs> she is. And The Crown is a really interesting show because it's all about Queen Elizabeth's lifespan and she, I mean she's still going, so it's interesting. <laughs> she's, she's still going. She's got a lot she's got a long life. And so every two se- <laughs> like two seasons they hit different periods of her life. So the first two seasons were her younger years when she first started to become the queen and when she first got the crown. And that was played by Claire Foy, and she's incredible. Um, And Matt Smith plays uh, Philip, and it's just really interesting to see her at the start of her power. And then this new season, season three, they aged them out, and now we're in the 70s. And just seeing, like, what's going on with the queen and her crazy family and, like, her country. Because <laughs> there's a lot of drums over there. And, like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's such a good Drama show. Drama in Britain? <laughs> it's raw! That's, just, that's, that's all they're known for. Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> that was good. That sounded like Gordon, yeah. <laughs> I watch yeah. way too much Gordon Ramsay. Oh, he's the best. He's yeah. the best. There's never too much Gordon Ramsay. Oh, no. Yeah, that's my main thing is The Crown, and I've been watching a lot of Disney Plus content because I am fully in the Disney cult. Not fully. I'm not going to have, like, you know, my wedding be Disney-themed like some people out here. Um, but I am willing to give them my money, so I am watching Disney Plus. Well, all right, then. Uh, yeah, I... Uh, I'm still, I'm on around the last handful of episodes of The Sopranos. 
I'm closing in on the end of that series for the first time. Um, really, uh, I obviously know the controversial like last scene, but I don't know a lot of the stuff leading up to it. So uh, it's it's definitely a show that uh, I'm glad I finally you know plowed my way through it because I can see why it has had always considered one of the top of all time just because of all the performances and then randomly when shit hits the fan it just hits the fan you're like oh 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 my god (laughs) out of nowhere Uh, whereas like I feel like sometimes they telegraph it a little bit easier as far as like on some shows where you kind of see like oh well around episode six is where shit goes down and around this episode whereas like Sopranos I never know when something's gonna fucking happen so uh, I am closing in on that and um, a movie I did see on Netflix before I canceled my subscription again was El Camino, uh, a Breaking Bad movie. Jess, I, did you see this? I still have not gotten around to watching it. <laughs> well, I do recommend it. I don't want to, like, hype it. Uh, you, you know, I just, to me, I was worried when I heard, I was like, oh, no, they're going to, you know, pick up where Jesse left off. Like, what is this going to be? Is this going to be just them, you know, cash grabbing, trying to milk that Breaking Bad, you know, just right at the end, even though it's been, you know, what, seven years since the show ended or something like six, seven years. But no, I I could definitely tell that this was something that Vince Gilligan made because he wanted to make it. And uh, the cinematography and the direction, just like with a lot of Breaking Bad, was incredible. Um, Aaron Paul is great. Jesse Plemons, who played uh, Todd, is great in it. And they have, of course, some cameos of some characters uh, and whatnot. And they shoehorn some people in. But for me, I was very satisfied, and now if they never make another Breaking Bad thing with those characters, I'm perfectly happy with how this ended. Um, I still need to watch uh, the latest season or so of Better Call Saul. I did love the first uh, couple seasons. But as far as El Camino goes, I definitely recommend it. If you like Breaking Bad, I'm sure you're going to like this. It was really, really well made. And I'm glad to see it wasn't just like, hey, remember all these people? Like, nonstop. It was mainly about Jesse for the most part. Um, so, yeah, uh, that was some stuff I recently watched. But I uh, forgot. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Oh. I forgot to mention two movies I saw very recently. Okay. Until you said end movies. I was like, oh, yeah, I saw two movies. Um, I also saw uh, Parasite and Jojo Rabbit. Um, oh, how is Jojo Rabbit? I want to see that so bad. It's funny. It's fun. I like Ta- Taika Waititi. He, everything he does is really quirky and unique and fun. And I mean, he revived Thor for us, so that's great. Um, the shtick, I will say, is really good in the beginning. But after a while, it does become a little stale because I feel like they exhaust all the jokes that you can about a Nazi satire, like, yeah. right away. Um, so 
the beginning is really great. In the middle, it kind of, uh, like, drags a bit. I hate to say that, but, like, doesn't hold my attention throughout the middle. But then the ending comes back and is really good. It's a powerful ending. I really liked it. It was just, it's weird to have so much fun watch, watching a movie that has Nazi characters in it. Um, but it also <laughs> had, like, a lot of heart and soul, um, which was good. I liked that. Um I will say, though, that, like, one thing that kind of, I don't want to say bugged me, but, like, stuck out for me was that um, Scarlett Johansson's character felt like it was very, like, forced, almost like the character was written for her to win an award. Like, that's what it was. Like, there didn't, Uh like, it was hard to, like, connect with her and, like, find anything deeper about her. Um, But, yeah, other than that, I did really enjoy it. And then Parasite is incredible. Like, I don't even know how to describe it, but every review you've seen about it, every piece of article that's written about it is spot on. It's an incredible movie. It's unlike anything I've ever seen before. Um, It's honestly, like, came up on my top ten list of the year already. I think it's number two. Uh, It's just incredible. So go see Parasite if you can. Um, I still am thinking about it, and it was, like, about a week ago, and it's still stuck in my brain. (laughs) It's a parasite in my brain, if you will. (laughs) Well, I definitely want to uh, see Jojo Rabbit at some point. But speaking of things I wish I saw, I think we should kick off with our first category, like that transition. I loved Um, it. Professional over here. Uh, Well, it's it's like we've been doing this for a little while or something. Um, Our first topic, which is a movie we wish we saw from this summer. So obviously, uh, all the other categories are going to be movies we did see, but this is, if we could pick at least one, I'm sure there's many, but one movie uh, we wish we saw above the rest. Uh, Jess, what is a movie you wish you saw? I wish I got to see Booksmart this summer. Um, so this was like kind of a little like indie movie um, that came out sometime over the summer, and it was just came out when I was like really busy and didn't have time to get to the theater. So it wasn't anything against the movie. Based on the trailer, it looked like something I would really enjoy. I just never got around to it. Um, but I've heard a lot of really good things. Uh, Olivia Wilde directed it, and it was written by females. Um, I've heard it been it's been compared to like a female super bad or pineapple express and i love those movies um so i will definitely get around to seeing it at some point i know it's supposed to be on hulu i think even like this month so once it's out there i'll definitely be able to watch it um so yeah that's what i wish i got to see uh book smart okay um so one uh this is not my selection but it was kind of like an honorable mention i just wanted to bring up and this is probably for a silly reason, but I wish I saw X-Men Dark Phoenix. Okay, now, we're going to talk about this more. <laughs> hang on. Listen. Okay. <laughs> I know I heard it's bad. I heard it's really bad. But the main reason I wish I saw it was because X-Men, that was the only franchise I saw every single other film in theaters. From the first X-Men in 2000, when I was eight years old... <laughs> Yeah. I saw X-Men 2, X-Men 3, even the shitty Wolverine Origins. I saw, you know, First Class, Days of Future Past, both the Deadpools, you know, like even Apocalypse. Like I saw every X-Men movie in theaters 
at least once uh, for the live action ones. And so, like, uh, because it was, you know, it was the final film before, like, Fox was sold to Disney, before, like, now that franchise of films is most likely dead and it's probably going to be started over by, uh, by Marvel Studios uh, with their own versions or, like, maybe they'll bring some back. Who knows? But I was like, man, this was the end of an era. This was literally 19 years of films. So uh, part of me just wish I saw it just because it was the only series, you, you know, like Star Wars or even MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe. So many other big franchises. Either I wasn't alive to see some of the films or some of them I just didn't get around to because Marvel does like two or three a fucking year. Uh, but... I just I wish I saw it because it was literally going to be like the end of this era of movies with the Fox X Men films. So that's why it's not quite to because no, <laughs> I thought makes it'd be sense. good. Absolutely, I mean that's why like I saw it like because we grew up with these movies and like yeah, yeah I totally get that for like the nostalgic factor alone. Just to say, but like. Why do you think you didn't make an effort to go see it? Was it because of the bad reviews, or were you just like, nah. Um, I think it was a combination of, it was at a time when I was very busy, and I didn't really see many movies. So it wasn't even just that, like, oh, I saw a ton of movies, and I skipped that one. I just, like, I was like, yeah, I should see that. And then I kept, like, thinking, like, maybe next week, and then my schedule, as we know, summer was crazy, um, I was getting shows started, so all of a sudden I was just like, "Oh no, it's probably not in theaters anymore because no one fucking saw it." So no, I totally okay. So this is a good segue into the most well, disappointing movie. Well, actually, <laughs> real quick, because I, I do that wasn't technically mine. That was sort of my honorable mention. Okay, uh, a movie I actually wanted to see because I heard it was good, and I don't have a ton to say about it is Toy Story Four. Oh, I forgot that came out. <laughs> right? I pretty much did, too. Because, like, in my head, I was like, really? You're making a fourth one, but the third one ended so perfectly. But then everyone was like, well, Pixar fucking did it. Four is great. Like, we're, we were all wrong, you know? like, <laughs> And so that's another one I wish I saw uh, because I saw the second and the third one in theaters, uh, whether, like, when I was little in 99 and then in 2010 uh, with the third one so I wish I would have saw four but again this summer was crazy so it was hard to see movies but the rest of the films we talk about I obviously did see but uh, Jess you uh, were about to bring up our next category the one you were most disappointed in I'm guessing I know what it is <laughs> yeah I think you could figure it out um, so the most disappointing movie of the summer for me was a dark phoenix um, oh. I will also admit, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, I'll also admit, I actually didn't see it in theaters. Same reason, kind of, where it was like I was busy and I wanted to because it's X Men. And I haven't seen all of them in theaters, but I've seen I've seen all of them, um, and I've seen most of them in theaters. And it's a franchise, like you said, we kind of grew up with. I mean, when did the first one even like premiere? The, the first X Men. The first X Men movie. When did that come 2000. out? Two thousand. So yeah, it's something we like 
basically grew up with. I it's remember I was in fan. second grade. I was eight. Aww. I was like, Mom, I want to see this movie. And they're like, are you sure it's PG-13? I was like, it's X-Men. We're fucking saying it. Oh, my God. My, my parents were kind of the same way where it's like, I don't know. This looks violent. And I was like, it looks awesome. And so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of us had to fight our parents on it, but we saw it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I I didn't see it in theaters. I didn't, honestly, I didn't care to spend my money on it. The last X-Men was really, really disappointing and rough. Apocalypse, yikes. Um, so I waited, and then I, re- like, it was on an Amazon Prime to rent, and that's when I was reminded it even existed. Um, it's bad. It's really, really bad. But what's really, really upsetting about it is that everything you saw in the trailer is the movie. And I hate when that happens. Um, like it's pretty cut and dry. Yeah, like what you see in the trailer, especially a really big reveal that's not really hard to figure out in the trailer. Spoiler alert: J Law died. Like oh, it's in the trailer. I couldn't ah, put that together. Oh, I shit. know. Oh, so weird. Um, she does, and it's like okay, well. Th- and that's supposed to be, like, a big pinnacle moment in the movie. And I'm like, I already knew that going in. Like, what, like how, how far in the movie do does it happen? Not very far. Like, maybe 20 to 30 minutes in. Okay, well, I'm glad they didn't, like, put it off. Like, they just did Yeah, it. that would have been really lame. But I think it would have been more powerful if, like, there was nothing like that at all in the trailer. If that scene was just completely out. Because yeah. it's really like she start like it's when Jean really starts to like lose her shit because she like killed one of her friends on accident, and I think it just would have been like way more profound if we didn't know. So then we learned it with her, you know. But anyway, yeah. <sighs> well, this film was doomed in so many ways because, like we said, Fox was selling to Disney. So it, it's like this was one of many movies that some people were afraid wasn't going to be released. Like, it was originally supposed to come out, I think it was, uh, like, summer of 2018, or, like, and then it got pushed to, like, November 2018, and then I'm pretty sure it got pushed to, like, February 2019, and then to the summer of 2019. Like, it's been put off for a while, and it kept getting bumped, kept getting bumped, and then finally they're just like, yep, it's coming out summer 2019, and then like they released a trailer which had that date on it, and I'm like, okay, are they going to stay th- with this date? And yeah, it just... When we live in a world where, like, Avengers Endgame and, you know, even Joker and, like, all these other movies that are just so much, like, better in the what they're focusing on... It seemed like with Apocalypse and then this, like, they never quite knew what they were doing with it. And, like, I bet this movie and or Apocalypse, if these were released in, like, 2004, they would have been liked, probably. But, like, because we've had such better movies... Now they just were like, this is garbage. You've We've seen you as a franchise do way better with Days of Future Past and Logan and First Class. Like, uh, what the hell? I agree that, like, it did, it does have the vibe of, like, a, like, a Fantastic Four from the early aughts kind of situation where we would have loved it at the time because superhero movies were kind of novel and weren't big. Um, but that's what was, like, kind of upsetting, too, is because X-Men was doing it before most were and doing it successfully. And so it deserves, like, to go out in a bang. And it 
was a total dud. And what was really yeah. weird, like you were saying, they were in the middle of transitioning the property. So you can tell, like, no one cared. Like, no one gave yeah. a shit. And it was just to make money. But what's really, really odd to me is that the director for the movie, uh, a guy named Simon Kinberg, was a first-time director. So he had yep. written and produced a lot of movies and TV, but had never directed before. And that's insane to give yeah. someone who's never directed a movie a $200 million budget film and just, like, have at it. With and that like, cast, too. <laughs> with that cast. I mean, the cast is so good. It's like, how could you mess it up? I mean, just have them talk and you're good. But, like... Yeah, yeah, it was just really weird that they would give such a huge budget film to someone who's never actually helmed a movie, and it's, like, the final chapter. It's, like, the last one. Yeah. Um, Which so it did, just, it, did it end in a way that, like, they looked like they may have tried to set up other ones? Had they, you know, like, if it was made before the selling, or did it seem like it was like, nope, this is the end? No, it was, like, kind of neither. It was just a very, like... Like, they all fight, and then that's it. Like, they just all, like, kind of fight, and, like, you, which, you've, you, which you saw in the trailer, some of it. And yeah. then there's, like, no real payoff at the end. And I don't even really remember, like, who lives and who dies. I don't think anyone, like, huge besides Mystique dies. Yeah. And it was just, like, it was, there was, it was, the ending had no payoff. It was just, like, all right. We fought, and uh, we're sorry, and we're done, and that's it. <laughs> and it was like, oh, okay. Um, so, no, it was weird. Like, I think we should just all pretend, like, Days of Future Past was, like, the actual series ending, and or, it's yeah, over. <laughs> like, when it comes to X-Men, yeah, or, like I said, Logan was, like, a perfect... Logan, yeah. Like, it, it's like, that should have just been the end of that franchise... Because mm-hmm. it was such a good way to end that character. And then, like, yeah, we pretend like Apocalypse didn't quite happen. We pretend that this one didn't happen. And, yeah. <laughs> What's also, like, my last point on this, what I find really sad is this was the lowest grossing installment of the entire series run. So the final one, you would think, like, everyone, like, we were saying, like, would want to go out and see it. It's the last one. We grew up with this. Oh, my God, 19 years. Oh, my God. No, a lot of us, <laughs> a lot of people just had the same idea that you and I had, which was like, I'll see it at some point. I'm busy. Well, it just, I, I agree. Like, you'd think that they would try to at least do like a last ditch marketing effort, like the final X Men Fox film or something, but like they didn't care and they didn't market it. So, like, I feel like a lot of people didn't even know it was coming out. Because uh, they kept moving the date, and then all of a sudden they're like, it's in June or something like that. And everyone's like, oh, uh, oh, well, I don't know. You know, like, <laughs> there's other stuff coming out. Nah, I'm not interested. So, yeah, it's, uh, uh, I'm disappointed that I didn't even see it. I know. It's, <laughs> it's really bad. I mean, I think the only reason to see it is because then you've seen them all and you're yeah. done. But, like, don't go in, like... Like, have your phone on you so you can, like, scroll through your Twitter or something because it's boring. I want it in, like, the $5 bin somewhere or, like, the $3 bin, and then then I'll get it. 
Um, yeah, it's going to be there soon. Don't worry. <laughs> it's probably there now. It's Maybe really bad. On Black Friday, it's probably going to be in there. Um, oh, absolutely. $5 on Black Friday. You're good. <laughs> um, yeah. So, mine, I didn't... The film that I'm most disappointed in is actually a film that I, I just want to clarify I did not hate... I uh, I liked lots of this film, and I, I feel like some people are going to have a, a bad reaction when I say this. But also, it's because I didn't see many bad films in theaters this summer. But the one I'm most disappointed in is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, you know what? I don't disagree with you on that. That's not... I mean, yeah. So... <laughs> It's Tarantino's latest movie that came out in August. Uh, I'm sure there's some people that are like, you just didn't get it. It's like, no, 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 no. Calm down. Anyone is angry with me at the moment, listen, I'm not saying that this is bad. I'm not saying that I hated it. I'm going to try watching it again. And I just, here's my thing. Tarantino, as we've done when we did a Tarantino film ranking uh he's one of my he's one of my favorite writers and he's up there for directors too but specifically for his writing his dialogue his uh wittiness uh his ability to throw in humor in dark places um and and just to be able to not only have gripping uh drama but also stuff be funny like i think he's one of the best writers but the reason why this film disappointed me so much is because it, it's like there was minimal talking in this movie. Or if there was talking, it, it just... It was not Tarantino-esque dialogue that we know. Like, I feel like this is a film... I want to... I feel like someone else made this instead of Tarantino. But also I see stuff that I'm like, oh, Tarantino made this. But it's like he directed it, but it felt like he didn't write it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I totally agree with you on that because there is some like there isn't a ton of talking, but there are some like dialogue heavy scenes. And usually I'm very much engaged with those scenes from him. But this time around, I really like wasn't. Yeah, um, I I think the thing that was frustrating for me was like so I went in this film trying to not get myself hyped at all because that was the issue I had with Hateful Eight. I got too hyped for it, so I was disappointed. So this time around, I was like, all right, I'm not going to try to watch too much stuff. I'll just watch, you know, a trailer or so when it comes, but I'm not going to read a lot about it. I'm not going to study it. I'm not going to try to figure it out. I'm going to... But, like, I saw this, like, insane cast, uh, like, with... Leo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt as the stars, but it's like, oh, there's going to be Al Pacino, Timothy Oliphant, Margot Robbie, uh, like all these people, even in bit roles. Um, But it felt like it was like Tarantino kind of just like flexing in a way, like... Yes. In a a way that... Because he's announced that once he gets to 10 films that he is considering just being done directing, writing, directing films, which... Who knows if he'll stick to that? Who knows if he'll just uh, do like mini series, or maybe he'll do, uh, you know, books he's talked about. So like, we can't necessarily hold him to that. But if he sticks with that method, I'm like, this is your second to last film. Like, why would what? No, this is not on par 
with Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, like uh, the Kill Bills. Like this is not on par. It it, it looks gorgeous. Uh, it it has some funny moments with Leo especially. But for the most part, I'm like I don't really care. And like a lot of the tension was around the Sharon Tate murders. And like spoiler alert, uh, if you haven't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He changes the real-life ending, like, what you think is going to be the murder of Sharon Tate. The attackers uh, uh, actually attack Leo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, and, uh, like, it was a twist. It was like, oh, and like in his world, Sharon Tate lives. And it's like a happy ending, and we're like, oh, okay. But, like... Can I just say something on that note, too? Like, I am a true crime junkie, like, to a weird degree. But, like, the Charles Manson story is a huge one. And it's endlessly fascinating, especially, like, that particular time in Hollywood. Like, that's it's just a fascinating dichotomy of, like, cheerful Hollywood and, like, murder. And so I feel like there was a huge missed opportunity there to really, like, focus on that. And instead, a lot of the focus was on, like, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. And that's fine, but it just felt like there wasn't a balance. It just felt like um, those two guys are doing their thing, and then, like, oh, yeah, Charlie Manson is, like, down the block. And, like, then all of a sudden in the ending is when they, like, really want you to, like, be into that storyline. And it just felt like... It just felt really weird, and it felt, like, honestly, like, disappointing to see that that's how, like, they handled it. Because when I first heard, like... Tarantino's gonna do a movie about Charlie Manson. Holy shit, that's gonna yeah. be insane. Like, that's exciting, which is weird and dark to say. But anyway, but like, yeah, it was like, oh, that's <laughs> gonna be rad. Like, Tarantino does a cult. What? And then it was just like, no. And then what really disturbed me, too, was the ending. What The twist didn't have any sort of like payoff. It just felt like a. Like, look at this weird, heroic white man moment. And it was like, okay, that's kind of strange. But what really got to me, and this could have just been, like, my particular experience with the movie, was out of the whole, like, three-hour movie, the thing that got the most laughs was that scene when the woman's being, like, really violently attacked. And I was just like, this is really creepy to me that, like, a whole theater is laughing the hardest watching a woman get her face punched in. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, and then I don't another love one that. Get lit on fire with a flamethrower. Yeah, and it's like, okay, the flamethrower callback is, like, kind of funny, but I'd rather have it be against, like, the guy or, like, it just felt like, or, like, or, like, I don't know. It just felt so weird, and I just didn't, I didn't care for it. I'll say, like, I didn't hate it, Um there were things I liked about it, like the homage to like Hollywood, because he clearly loves Hollywood, and it's a really nice like love letter to it. But there were more things like I didn't like than I did, and that's rare for me with Tarantino. So this was like hugely disappointing in that way too. Yeah, it it, it just to me, it like all I knew, like I I didn't know much about the Sharon Tate murders. Of course, when he announced that he was going to do something like involving that. And then he said like, Oh, it's going to be kind of in the vein of Pulp Fiction in the sense that like, it's like sort of crimey, like buddy ish, like opposed to like, he had 
last couple of films had been Western, and then the one before that was in World War Two. So, like, it's like, oh, this is more closer to modern day. It's in the 70s, like, late 60s or uh, early 70s. Like, it's closer to modern day. But it it... it, it for three so hours, like, it just felt so slow. It felt like there were so many times when people were just driving and were just listening to music and were just like, look around. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I don't care. Like, these characters, like, I, I see somewhat the points of them, but Sharon Tate really isn't even a character in this. She's just kind of like a... She's almost like a... Like, when you'll see a play and it's like, oh, did you know that that character was a ghost the whole time? You know, like, she just kind of <laughs> floated in and out of scenes. And she's, like, uh, like she's more of, like, a symbol of the, I think they said, like, the innocence in Hollywood before, like, she was murdered and now everything was different. But, like, I get it. I, I get... I get all, like, a lot of people are trying to, uh, whenever I discuss it, they said, well, this means this and this means this. I'm like, that's fine. I get all of that. It's not that I don't understand it or don't see why it happened. I just don't care for it. I care for other things that Tarantino has done. And like Jess said, like, and I'll admit, I was laughing at some of the things be just because it was Tarantino's ultra violence. Um, and because, like, obviously, like, I could disconnect. I know that, one, this didn't happen. And two, like this isn't real, you know, like, so I can kind of just laugh at, like, how randomly, absurdly dark it got, and it felt like, okay, even though this is weird, it's like, why wasn't there more things in this vein of the film? Not necessarily the female violence, but more, like, this feeling that this is what Tarantino would do, would bring tense moments, and then, like, ultra-violent, and, like, holy shit, or it would be really funny, or whatever. Uh, Characters would die all of a sudden. Like, it just felt like... Like, it felt like there was gonna be a scene like that when Brad Pitt was walking through what ended up being probably, like, the Manson family... Uh, with all those women and whatnot, it it got tense, and you thought something was gonna happen, and nothing fucking happened. Like it just yeah, and like that's the thing too. It's not like the ultra violence that freaked me out because like I've seen it. It's just like we waited two and a half hours to get to that, and like this is it's it is pretty kind of fucking random, and like I like the idea that like Brad Pitt's like high off his ass like fighting intruders. I think that's really funny, but like yeah. It's just there was no, like, good lead-up for me to be like, okay, I can get behind this. It was just like, oh, all right, now we're here. And the thing that sucks, too, again, as a true crime junkie, all the characters that were at Spawn Ranch, which is where they actually, like, camped out, all those characters are real. So, like, they he really did get to, like, the detail of the Manson family, which was interesting and something we very rarely see because we really just focus on, like, Charlie... I am saying Charlie like he's my buddy, and that's really messed up. (laughs) I just realized that. But, like, you know, there was just so much detail, and I think, like, there just wasn't enough execution for it. And, like, at times it just felt like a lot of characters were completely unnecessary, and it just did seem like a, hey, look at my friends. Look, everyone who wants to work with me, even if they only have, like, one scene. Everyone loves me. And it, I don't know. It just, it didn't do it for me. I was very disappointed. Yes, very disappointed in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If Tarantino's next movie is, in fact, his last one, 
uh, I'm really hoping he kind of fades back into what he used to do with crime uh, or something and, like, maybe flex a little less. Like, we get it. Everyone wants to work with you, but, like, you don't use that to just, like, smack us over the face. Like, <laughs> look, I got Pacino to do, like, three scenes. I, I don't care. Pacino's not, like, some rare thing to me like you know what i mean like like joe pesci came out of retirement to be in the scorsese movie like that's more impressive than like pacino pacino's done fucking adam sandler movies like that's not special <laughs> to me like he killed his appeal years ago but like <laughs> true very yeah it was pretty true yeah so uh anyway uh let's move on to some more positive things for the rest of the episode uh jess what did you think was the most underrated film of the summer so my most underrated film is kind of an odd choice i think but i think the most underrated film of the summer was it chapter two okay um yeah it's interesting because it was a pretty popular summer movie and a lot of people did see it um it was successful but it was also like weirdly i think divisive i think a lot of people were like maybe too hypercritical of it um, critics, as as always, seem to hate it, but the audiences seem to like it more. Huh. Um, I don't know. I just I I don't mean to sound pretentious, but I don't think people knew what they were getting themselves into with it. Chapter two. I yeah. think a lot of people. I mean, the first one is incredible. I love the first one, but I think a lot of people were expecting like the charm and like the children and like the cute little like children fighting a clown stuff again. <laughs> And we were not getting that. <laughs> like, um, I think, like, the second one did a good job of trying to, like, utilize the kids as much as they could. But they really couldn't because if you go by the source material, like, they're kind of done. Like, they do flashbacks, but, like, it's, their story's over. Um, yeah. So I don't know if, like, people were thinking that they were going to get that, like, watching the story through an eye of a child situation again. But, like, no. Um, because I think with chapter one... Doing that, you had more, like, innocence and nostalgia and, like, weird, creepy things and kids. Ooh, spooky. And now it's, like, adults who are dealing with it, so it has, like, a much more, like, darker tone to it. Um, I will admit, like, the ending is not the best, but, like, that's part of it. Like, again, if you knew anything, which I'm sure, like, a lot of people did know the source material, but, like, I think the people who were critical didn't realize, like, what the ending was. And I think they didn't realize that, like, the source material is already, like, incredibly campy and weird. Um, and the first movies, like, I don't know. People might not have been thrown off by the camp because there really wasn't a whole lot of campy stuff. But in the second one, there was. Um, the storyline seems, like, a little bit more wacky. But if you'd only seen, like, the first one and you didn't see, like, the original one with um, Tim Curry as Pennywise or if you didn't read the book, which I didn't read the book because the book is, like, a monster. It's huge, and I'm not doing that. <laughs> I just watched the miniseries. I'm good. Um, then, yeah, it would be kind of, like, a little off-putting and strange. But I don't know. As someone who likes the source material and thinks the, the miniseries is quirky and weird and needed an update like I was really excited to see how they would do it with adults and I did find it to be like really entertaining and really scary at times um I don't know it's just like the entire story is campy and pretty unbelievable I mean it's like an alien who turned into a clown like weird but it's like told in a way that's like feels plausible which is really strange to say 
Um, which I think is hard to do on its own. So I think people needed to like be a little nicer to it because it's not an easy thing to tell audiences about this crazy story. Um, yeah. I don't know. I really liked it. I liked the first one. I really liked the second one. Um, I would say I liked the second one just as much, um, but I don't like kids that much, so I wasn't like really into the whole like, oh, kids, kids and, and clowns moment. I was like, oh, f- f- <laughs> fuck them kids. We're done with them. Uh, <laughs> they had their moment. Get out of here, fuck Stranger Things. Kids. You know? <laughs> But, um, I don't know, I, I really enjoyed it, and I think even if audiences were, like, hypercritical of it, like, either way, it's a horror movie that had a successful, like, summer release, and that's, like, pretty rare to do. Not a lot of people are out here seeing horrors in the summer. Um, so that's why it's, like, weird to say that it's underrated, because a lot of people did see it and it was successful, but I think people were just, like, too hard on it and didn't well, appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could, uh, like, the same thing where... Uh, I, even though people did see it and it was successful, it felt like it didn't have a splash as much as the first one. Like, the first one, I feel like everyone I knew saw. You know, like, everyone saw it, and, like, people saw it multiple times. But, like, I felt like when this time this one came out, it's almost like people kind of forgot in a sense that they're like, oh, yeah, that, that did come out. Yeah, I'll see that eventually. And then, like, because I didn't see it yet. I, I planned to, but... It just, it's another one that it came and went. Like, I feel like, I wonder, like, I get why, you know, they did it in September just like they did previously, like, right at the beginning. Um, But, like, I wonder what would have happened if they would have actually released it in October around Halloween, maybe? You know, like... Yeah, like, I think maybe it was, would have been a little bit more successful. I don't really know why that was I don't know and I don't really understand why like so many people were so gung-ho about the first one but didn't follow up with the second one because I don't know like the second one is amazing and when people were finding out like the cast they were like losing their minds and I will say the casting is like spot on like it's incredible casting and it's really good names like Bill Hader and Jessica Chastain and James McAvoy and like it's to a T like it's really well done And it's also, like, not only in looks, but, like, in the characters themselves, like, it makes perfect sense. Like, it it just works so well. So I don't know why there was, like, it seems like there was a build-up to It Chapter 2, and people did want to see it. And then, for some reason, they're like, there's not enough children, I'm over it. I don't know. Well, like, part of me wonders, and this could be, because, you know, it was like a part one, part two thing, but the first one made, like, a billion dollars. Like, it was absurd, you know, for a horror movie with such a, you know... To make, like, I think it was, like, 900-some million or a billion, I think it may have crossed. But anyway, maybe it's because it, we waited two years opposed to, like, if they would have, like, maybe made this one closer to the first one so that it was released last year. Maybe, like, that would have helped. Because, like, part of me wonders if people kind of forgot you know, the first one was 2017. Like, that was a long time ago. Uh, like, and a lot of stuff has happened in general and also movies. Uh, so, like, maybe, like I said, maybe people just kind of forgot. <laughs> maybe. I mean, the only reason why I would argue, like, it was fine how they did it was because I think the success of the first one is what got the cast that it did for the second one. And they announced those castings, like, right after that movie was released. Like, Jessica Chastain was on board. Um, 
So I don't think you would have gotten her or, like, Bill Hader because the movie, like, there wouldn't have been any proof that it could be successful. I don't know. Like, I don't know why they weren't shot, like, at the same time, but, like... Well, not at the same time, but, like, you know, sometimes they do films, like, back-to-back, you know? Yeah. But, But, yeah, it's true. Like you said, I guess they needed the first one to blow up like it did so that they could get big names for the second one. Um... Which is funny because it shows with the first one, they didn't need big names. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. The only, like, recognizable one was the kid from Stranger Things. And I don't even know that kid's name. Like, I just know him as Stranger Things. So, like, yeah, you didn't really need anyone major. But, like, yeah. I don't know. But, like, like star power aside, like, the, the casting, like, the, even though they were big names, was, like, great. Like, that's how it should... Those... I can't imagine anyone else playing those characters. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, something about... The first one didn't carry over to the second one um, for a lot of people. I don't know. I mean, I still really liked it. And like I said, I think people are just, like, too hypercritical of it, too, like, harsh on it. And, like, I did see it with one of my friends, and I asked her at the end of it, like, oh, what would you think? Did you like it? And she's like, yeah, but I just like the first one more because those kids are just so fun to watch. And so I think, <laughs> and I was like, and oh, Jess my is God. like, fuck them kids. I know, I'm like, fuck them kids. Get them out of here. But like... <laughs> So I think it might have been a lot of people with that mentality of, like, well, where are the kids? And it's like, it's them. They're just adults. <laughs> like, it's the same people. Calm yeah. down. That's what happens in life. We grow up. Like, enjoy it. Like, I don't no, know. No, never. <laughs> yeah. Well, my film that I thought was most underrated was another one. It did well. But I feel like because it was a movie that was following another movie I'm going to talk about later... Not as many people saw it, but also, uh, like, I have a feeling um, people are maybe a little iffy on this character now, but Spider-Man Far From Home uh, is my most underrated. uh, Reason being, like, they just fucking are getting Spider-Man right. (laughs) Like, they're finally doing it. Like, this is between Homecoming... And, like, his bit parts in the Avenger movies and this, but, like, this especially, like, they're getting the character right now. I think Tom Holland is a perfect Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Um, I was so happy to hear that they were doing Mysterio, the villain, because, like, I was afraid that, I'm like, oh, God, if they do another fucking Green Goblin, like, <laughs> like yeah, I swear right? to God. Or just, like, <laughs> someone that we've seen before. But, no, like, they, and then they get Jake Gyllenhaal. I was like, okay, as Mysterio? All right. And, like, at first, like, the way the trailers came and, like, uh, I've seen previews, I was like, that doesn't seem like Mysterio, but they got the costume right. And then all of a sudden, like, when uh, when things hit, I'm like, okay, all right, this I like. Um, now, obviously, there's the whole gimmick that, like, he's not in New York, he's in Europe, and he's, you know, uh, dealing with problems there. But... The way they handled Mysterio, and there's especially an action sequence towards the end, towards the conclusion, that I'm like, oh my god, this is Mysterio. And this is why, even though Mysterio is always considered like a joke, like even in Marvel canon, like people are always like, fucking Mysterio with a fishbowl on his head? Like everyone <laughs> makes fun of Mysterio. But there's a thing that they do, especially in the Old Man Logan comic book, that like, no. This character that, like, uses illusions and makes you see shit that's not really there, that's freaky as hell. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and like that is uh, that is something that I think um, can be done well on film with all the effects that we can do now. And the way that they incorporated that, like, Mysterio has kind of been in the background slash worked with people in the background this whole time, uh, like, in the Marvel... It's like they kind of did a thing where they retconned as if, like, he's been there this whole time, and it made sense. And, yeah, I think it was handled extremely well, and they're just really nailing this character uh, so much so that we saw all the controversy around the fact that when there was a Sony Disney not coming to a deal for the Spider-Man sharing, people were pissed and Tom Holland had to plead with them like, no, please just talk this out. Like the people want it like I want it. We all want it. And like now they've solved something to figure out a new deal so that we can keep getting Tom Holland, Spider-Man and Avenger movies with him in it. Um Far From Home was just a movie, like I said, the Spider-Man character has been used. I remember you didn't want to see Homecoming because you're like, I've seen him plenty. Yeah, and then I ended up really liking Homecoming. (laughs) I told you. Because I'm like, no, 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 forget everything before. Like, watch this. And, like, Far From Home's the same way. Like, it's the same creative team. It's like they know what they're doing with the humor and the characters and the twists they handle well. Just like in Homecoming, there was, like, some fun twists they do the same thing where there's uh, even more. And then they blow your fucking mind with how they do a mid credit scene to set up the next movie. I'm like, oh, fuck. And okay, so I still haven't seen this, so don't tell me too, too much. I won't. I won't spoil it because, like I said, it's worth when it happens. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited to see where they go next, especially now that they made the deal. Um, really happy how they handled Mysterio. Um, and glad that they got someone like Jake Gyllenhaal to do that character. (laughs) Yeah. So what, like, makes it underrated in your opinion? Like, did not enough people see it? Because, like, I I, don't see it. Or, like, people not nice enough to it? Like, what do you see? I feel like it was underrated because, like, everyone was just, like, everyone saw Endgame, and then, you know, other stuff came out, and then, like, I would see it, I'd be like, did you see it? And, like, not enough people I knew saw it. And it just felt like it just kind of faded into the past. And like more people talked about the controversy with Disney and Sony not agreeing than I did than they did the film. Like it felt yeah. like no one saw it. Felt like it was just fading into the dust. I saw that it made plenty of money, but I was like, why is no one talking about how good this is? Like why like sure, endgame we get it. Like it was good. But this was also really good. And I think this is the problem where you have good movies coming out very close together that one of them's going to be overshadowed. And that was the case where, like, Avengers came out in, like, April, May. And then I think it was only, like, July? Like, it was only a month and a half or so after Spider-Man comes. Like, people were just kind of... Maybe like, oh, yeah, I'll see that eventually, like we've said with some of these other films. And it just felt like I felt like I was always like, why is no one talking about this? Why why did no one see it? Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I swear it's good. (laughs) Yeah, I believe you. I just think like I do think maybe there is such thing as like superhero fatigue where it was kind of like I just saw a major action Marvel movie. I don't know if I want to see another one like 
just yet or like it just wasn't like maybe it was like how you're saying with it if they had been like closer together like maybe if these were just like slightly more spaced out we would be more into it I don't know like I just I like I said I liked homecoming and I do want to see far from home I just like didn't have a desire to like rush out and see it it was kind of like yeah I'll just see it eventually you know I'm still getting over endgame so like I don't know Yeah. Well, and that's the... They should have spaced it out more. They should have waited, like, another couple months and so people could really just get Endgame out of their heads and then see Far From Home um, because it felt like, yeah, uh, like, they were trying to ride that wave and, like, it obviously, like I said, made money. It was good deal, you know, like, they were clearly going to make the more, but it just felt like another one. I'm like, man, why... It's not that I don't want people talking about Endgame, but I was like, why aren't people talking about this one? Like, because this one was really good also. That makes sense. Jess, what is, uh, in your eyes, the best action movie or superhero movie is often uh, one of the best action movies of the year for you for the summer of 2019? Yeah, so just a little background on this category. Um, we've been doing the last couple of years best superhero movie, but every time there's only like two or three superhero movies to choose from, and I've always ended up... Only two or three. <laughs> only two or three. Um, and I usually just end up like choosing a documentary about like a real-life hero, and it pisses Brandon off. Um, <laughs> but there was no documentaries like that this summer, so I couldn't yes. do it, which is the real reason why I asked if we could expand the category to best action slash superhero movie. And if you think about it, I don't know. My pick could be a superhero movie, and that is <laughs> Detective Pikachu. And in okay. a way, he's a hero. I was leaning more towards this the for action. Underrated. Okay, yeah. I I loved this movie. I loved it a lot more than I expected. Um, it was just so much fun and so cute and so much heart. <laughs> and I just, I loved it. I, I went in, like, thinking I would, like, enjoy it. And it'd be cool and cute and nostalgic. But, like, I did not expect to, like, love it and for it to be a legitimately good movie. Um, it just felt like this one was very unlike all the other movies this summer in that it was in action, but I don't know. There's so much like lightheartedness and fun in it. And nowadays I feel like action movies have such like a gritty tone or they're very like heavy concept. Like Endgame wasn't necessarily gritty, but it was like very heavy and very dramatic. Um, so I, I don't know. It's refreshing to see an action movie that isn't dark or dramatic and it's just kind of fun. And like, there's some dramatic elements to it, but for the most part, it's just like one big fun adventure. Um, and Justice Smith, the, the guy who played the main kid is also really great. I don't think he's really been in anything else before that. And no, he's not related to Will and Jada Pinkett Smith. Um, <laughs> cause a lot of people are like, oh my God, Will Smith's son is so good. And it's like, that's not... It just, no, just got my last name. Um, yeah, he was good. He was fun. I hope, like, this is a big break for him because I don't, I've never seen him in anything else. Um, and the plot was just so out there and wacky, but it worked well. I thought it was just, I don't know. I just loved it. I really liked it. And it was just fun action sequences all around. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Detective Pikachu. I thought it was definitely... 
a film more so for kids, but like also there was stuff for our generation who grew up playing, you know, the Game Boy games and the trading cards and just really getting into Pokemon in like the nineties. Um I thought that the the animation on the Pokemon was really good. I mean, like, obviously some people could be like, oh, those don't look that real. I'm like, well, they're not fucking real. Like, they're not. <laughs> like, these they are look weird. as real as they could be for not being real things. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, like, I'm glad that they look like how they should, like, with their big eyes and, you know. Uh, like it, like the Bulbasaurs, I love the Bulbasaurs, and Psyduck was my favorite. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was so much fun. Um, like there are some parts where it's a little like, okay, this is definitely more so for kids, but it was definitely well made. Because uh, when I heard they were doing Detective Pikachu with Ryan Reynolds voicing Pikachu, I was like. What the fuck are they doing? Oh, same. And I think a lot of people were like, that makes no sense. But it actually works really well. <laughs> yeah, they find a way to do it. And, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. And uh, if they do another live-action Pokemon movie, I hope that they keep doing some of the original, like, 150 Pokemon. Because, like, there were some Pokemon I totally didn't recognize. And I was like, all right. like, But that's just me. Uh, being like, I want my Pokemon movie. <laughs> no, I totally agree. And I do like that this one, like you said, it was more of a kid's movie, but they did a really good job of, like, gearing it towards kids, but also, like, having it be for us, like, who grew up with it and played the trading cards and, like, knew all these, like, Detective Pikachu things. Like, I don't know. It was nice that it was able to, like, span different audiences and it was just, I don't know, it was just really fun. I really liked it. Yeah. Well, Jess, you actually picked one with action. Yes. As opposed to just doing a documentary. But in my defense, oh my. it was never best action until now. It was best superhero. And I still say... I know, but I it was... I still say like RBG superhero. is a superhero. She's a superhero. <laughs> and Al Gore is out here fighting climate change. He's been doing it for years. And now we're finally like, shit, we should have been fucking listening to him. Just oh saying, God. that's heroic. It's heroic. <laughs> All right. Well, um, <laughs> um, okay. So uh, we talked a little bit about this a moment ago, but my favorite action movie was a superhero movie, and it was Avengers Endgame. Of, wow. Guy. What is the prize? It's such a twist. <laughs> it's so um, cute. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't my favorite of the summer, though, but. That is interesting. Anyway, continue, um, sorry. But yeah, I gave it best action uh, for uh, for this just because, I mean, do I need to say much about it? I mean, everyone fucking saw this movie. Uh, I think they, there are some people that hated it. There are some people that are going to find nitpicks in it, but that's because any movie that is hyped gets nitpicked. Um, but for me this shouldn't have worked. Like, the way that they were able to uh, follow up Infinity War with this gigantic cast and juggle all of the characters. And uh, I loved... I'm a sucker for time travel and that they were able to incorporate time travel into it. And I love how they just (laughs) straight up said, just like, are we doing Back to the Future? Which, like, they were more so doing... Back to the Future too, but anyway, <laughs> um, that they're like, oh, are we doing that? And they're like, wait, 
is your knowledge about time travel just from a movie? <laughs> <laughs> but that's so true, because if we were to invent time travel, all of our knowledge would just be off of pop culture time travel. Yeah, <laughs> like very we, true. <laughs> For me, yeah. Um, so... Uh, I think they handled it so well. I think um, they really ended like the 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 true like kind of first era uh, as far as uh, original Avengers. I mean, are we allowed to say spoilers? Should we? I mean, at this point, it's such a big movie. Everyone who wanted to see yeah, it probably saw just it. Just go and... see it. If not, here's a spoiler warning. Skip ahead a yes. couple minutes. Skip ahead. Um, but. I like the way that they killed off Robert Downey Jr., and they also paid off uh, a way to end Cap's storyline so that he could have his happy ending, um, and he could literally pass the torch. I'm so glad he passed the torch to to uh, Sam Wilson, Falcon, opposed to uh, Bucky, the Winter Soldier. Really? Because um, I was kind of disappointed. I want. I love Bucky, though. I love. I fucking love Bucky. I I think we, like, okay, so in the comic, at some point they both get the shield, but, like, I think it's, like, Sam Wilson has more of, like, the heart and the, you know, that can really carry the Captain America, you know, legacy on, even though he doesn't necessarily have powers, like, he can stand for the principle, whereas, like, Bucky's still kind of figuring his own shit out. So, like, That's he true. can help. Bucky's, like, so, almost too broken to get such responsibility yet. But yeah. I just love him. Uh, <laughs> I think you're just a dragon. I, I, there's a very good chance that that's just it. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it just means so much more for him to have it uh, because he's not only a regular person, but, you know, he's black and he's someone that... Uh, I think can help, you know, um, be what Captain America normal was, uh, originally was, was like a normal guy who just stands up for what's right. Um, they, you know, some people weren't exactly happy with it, but the way that they were able to do the Black Widow death, uh, they were able to pull off these deaths while also bringing some people back, um... And just, they should, like, this shouldn't have worked. Like, they paid off so many things. It was so funny. It uh, was just, if there was a way to do it, they figured it out. And that's what is so mind-boggling about the whole thing, is they could have went many ways with it, but they found this way, and they were able to close some storylines, but also have some people set up for future stuff. Like, it just... I'm so glad that we can now close the book on the Infinity Gauntlet storyline, the Thanos stuff, and now we can get into different things because this has been built since basically 2008, uh, like at least 2012 with the original Avengers where they introduced Thanos. Uh, we can finally, like, that's done. Now let's do some new stuff. Now let's just do some movies that are one-offs. Or let's do Disney Plus shows. Or let's do uh, maybe trilogies, double movies, back-to-back movies. Like Let's just do other stuff where it's not all leading to a big, gigantic clusterfuck of a movie. 
Yeah. But, like, a good kind of clusterfuck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it worked when it, like you said, it probably shouldn't have had because it was so big. It was such a big movie in every sense of the word that there was a lot of room for error. And I think that they did nail it. And, of course, like, it was... I didn't expect, like, those three major characters to be killed off. I thought maybe, like, one. I did kind of think, like, maybe Captain America. But, like, I didn't... I don't know. I was just... So it was interesting because it was still sort of surprising in some ways. And there were moments that I didn't see coming. And it just, it's a long movie, too. It's very, very long. <laughs> and usually if a movie is over two and a half hours, I'm like, that's unnecessary. I'm not sitting in a theater that long. But, like, this one, it it had to be that way. So... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with pretty much everything you said, except I love Bucky, and that's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> All right, Jess. Well, we're down to our final category, the the be-all, end-all, the, the end game, if you will. <laughs> um, what was your favorite movie of summer 2019? My favorite movie, summer 2019, and what I would argue is one of the best movies of the year, is Hustlers. I love this movie so much, I can't even truly express how I feel. (laughs) I think it could also go under the underrated category, even though it was like a huge financial success and did very, very well. I don't think a lot of people saw it as they should have like I think it should have had even more money and should have been even more of a success um I don't know why that is because it was brilliant and I think it was marketed pretty well um before I saw Parasite this was my second favorite movie of the year and now I think it's my third um it's interesting because it was marketed as being a comedy kind of like the trailer had a lot of laughs in it um Lizzo and Cardi B show up so just the trailer kind of felt more of like this fun like silly like story about strippers being crazy and it really wasn't that (laughs) (laughs) it was not that I mean I think the trailer did very well in not giving away too much of the story um but it wasn't as comedic and like fun fun time there was a lot of really funny moments so it was like a perfect balance it was equally dramatic as it was comedic and at the core of it, it's a heist movie. And it's just incredible. Like, so it's based on a New York Times article in the cut called The Hustlers at Scores. And this was written in 2015. And the article is just this woman talking to these strippers about how they essentially like scammed tons of money from men and what they did. And when you're reading the story, I didn't read the story until like after the movie premiered after I watched it um but this the article itself is just one of those pieces that it's just like wow how could you do this like how could someone just like do this scheme it's really interesting but what I liked about this was this was a heist movie that gave the the criminals such a heart of gold and like such a soul that you were rooting for them like you were rooting for the ones that were doing the more nefarious acts like you were for them um it was just I don't know, like every piece of it was fun and exciting, but also deeply dramatic and kind of heavy at times. Um, I just loved it. I loved it so much. <laughs> I could talk about this movie forever. Um, but it kind of sucks too, because I feel like not a lot of people, or as, not as many people that I would like saw it. 
And I wanted to, like, I this sounds dramatic, especially if you've only seen the trailer, <laughs> but I want this to go to award season. Like, I fully believe that J-Lo does deserve an Oscar, which I never thought I would ever say ever. Um, <laughs> ever. Because I would, I'll admit, like... Not even for Made in Manhattan? <laughs> oh, wait, I take that back. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> she, like... I don't, I've never been a huge JLo fan. It's not that I disliked her. I just was very, like, indifferent about her. I didn't really care. Um, and then once I saw the movie, I was like, oh, my God, I have been sleeping on JLo all of these years. She's amazing. What have I been thinking? Like, she's great. She, it's just, we very rarely get to see her in, like, movies like this where she gets to show off just how talented she actually is. Um, so I do want, I do want to see her, like, go to the awards. I think she deserves it. And I, like... I swear to God, if we don't have a single female director other than Greta Gerwig nominated for any Oscars in directing, I'm going to lose my mind because <laughs> the woman that directed this movie did such a good job. There is no question. Like, oh my God. So her name's Lorraine Scafaria. I've actually never seen any movie that she did previously. She did um, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, which is like an indie from a few years back that I think just did okay. And then The Meddler, which I didn't see, but a lot of people liked. Um, yeah, you can't argue with me that there weren't enough, like, female directors this year to give a nomination because there was her and she did incredible. And I just hope it's, like, taken seriously because it is a movie about, like, strippers. And I guess, I don't know, in our society we have this, like, weird sort of outlook on, like, strippers or, like, sex workers being, like, less than human or, like, gritty or, like, wrong. And I think that this movie shows that, like, marginalized people are still people. Even if we judge them and we look down on them, they're still human beings with feelings. So I don't... It's such a good movie. Go see it. Go see Hustlers. Rent it. (laughs) Do anything. It's so good. You will not be disappointed. Yes. I remember you've brought up this film before, and I, I do definitely still need to see it. I haven't seen it yet. Um, but I, I will put it on my list. Can I just say real quick, (laughs) this movie did what oceans eight tried and failed to do. I'll just say (laughs) that. Which that was your most disappointing film last time. Yeah, it was, (laughs) it was. And this movie like was like, uh, uh, this is a all female highest moment. This is how you do it. And they did it. And they didn't even need Aquafina. Nope. <laughs> nope. They had Kiki Palmer. They don't need Aquafina. I forgot Aquafina was in Ocean's Eight. God, that movie was really bad. That I only just know because I didn't know who Aquafina was, and then they're like, "Oh, it's got uh, Kate Blanchett, and it's got Sandra Bullock, and it's got Sarah Paulson, and Aquafina." And I'm like, "Who the fuck is Aquafina?" <laughs> Like don't don't throw her name up there like that's a like that's a known commodity. That, right. Like, <laughs> calm down. Um, yeah. So hustlers. Do you think it's most likely going to be in your top ten of the year? You said probably oh, top five. Oh, for sure. I it's definitely it's number three right now. I would have to see something like so incredible to knock it down, and I don't know if it will at this point. I mean, I would say like right now my I know my top three is us. Parasite and Hustlers. And it's just really interesting, too, because when I said that, like, when I told my boyfriend that, he laughed, and he didn't see Hustlers, and I got so mad at him. I was like, what, you don't think Hustlers is a serious movie? It's like, what? <laughs> and I just feel like... I could see you yeah, getting mad. I got so like, mad. <laughs> he, get, he, like, giggled. I was like, yeah, it was right after we saw Parasite, and he's like, that's my favorite movie of the year. And I'm like, 
I think it's my second. I think it's like us, Parasite, and Hustlers. And he's just like, uh, what? And I'm like, what? Do not come for Hustlers. Because yeah. it is so good. You slept on the couch that night. <laughs> yeah. I was like, excuse me, you didn't see it. And then I think I even threw like the like, oh, what, women can't have a serious movie like thing in his face, which he didn't. But whatever. Anyway. Of course you threw like, that in <laughs> really did. But it's so good. And I think like the name, I don't know, the name Hustlers doesn't sound like a, an award prestige like top 10 movie of the year kind of movie, but it is. It's so good. Yeah, well, it's odd that it's called Hustlers, because wasn't there another movie called Hustlers? I don't know. Maybe. I feel like there... There was. What was it? Uh, oh, wait. Maybe it was just another... I was thinking of another movie that uh, I thought was... I remember it was, like, with, like, Hayden Christensen and, uh, like, a bunch of other people, um... I'm going to find it, because otherwise it's going to bug me. Jumper? <laughs> oh, no. Takers. Never mind. Takers. Obviously. No, I don't uh, know what that is. It had, like Paul Wa- it had, like, Paul Walker and T.I. and... Whoa. Uh, <laughs> and, like, Idris Elba, Matt Dillon, um, Hayden Christensen. Uh, yeah, no. I was thinking of Takers. Didn't see that either. But, no, no I definitely want to see Hustlers. Uh, I, I watched the trailer after you told me about it the first time, and I was like, okay, all right. I mean, I love crime stuff. I don't care if it's male or female. Like, I just like crime uh, heist heist movies done well. Um, so and the premise seems like, yeah, I could see that happening. <laughs> yeah, and it's great. And it's kind of just like, you know what? Good for them. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, we have the stigma against people in, in those kinds of industries when, like, I know I've met someone recently who uh, they literally paid to get their PhD by stripping. So it's yeah, like, I mean, clearly, it's, just, yeah. they, it's not like they're all idiots, you know, like they uh, are just like anyone can be intelligent, can be uh, creative. And yeah. So anyway, um if you guys haven't, check out Hustlers. I'm going to check it out, too, and I'm going to have to report back because I don't want Jess to be mad at me. Yes, please do. <laughs> I really hope you like it because I do think it's a movie that you would really like, and I hope I didn't like build it up too much for you. I no. hope you enjoy it. It's not like you text me all the time about it. Like, that. <laughs> like we've talked about it a couple times on the podcast, so I don't think you've hyped it too much. Okay. But I hope not. this one, I am going to probably hype too much. Um, my favorite movie of the summer... And possibly one of my favorite of the year so far, John Wick Chapter Three. Okay, okay. And I liked this more than Avengers Endgame, and more than Spider Man Far From Home. Uh, this, like, have you seen any of the John Wick movies yet? I've only seen the first one. Okay. And what did you see? What did you think of the first one? Oh, I love the first one. I mean, the first one is, oh, okay. is amazing. Yeah. No, I was really into it. I just never got around to seeing the other two, and I want to. That was on me. Okay. Yes. So, this is one of the rare franchises that it keeps getting better. Like, we are, like, uh, are there's so many times where, like, either the second one just is worse than the first, or the second one's better, and then the third one is trash, or, or, like, by the time you get to more, like, oh, God, this is not what it used to be. Like, there's so many series. Like, how many series can we think where they're all good? Like, it's very rare to find that. Um, 
but this is a rare thing where John Wick, these movies keep getting better. And uh, I'm so glad because it's the same creative team that do the other ones. Um, uh, the first one, you know, is good. But for a while, my second one was the favorite. And now I think my third one's the favorite uh, just because it is the action is phenomenal. Like this is these are what action movies should be. This is what they could be if people just tried. Like they don't need a ton of money. It doesn't need to be CGI explosives. It could just be badasses like Keanu Reeves and stunt people pulling off incredible stunts with a script that obviously isn't super complicated cuz that's not what we're going to see. We're going to see an action movie and <laughs> I have to just tell you of this really fun moment when I saw it uh, so when I saw chapter three, I saw it, uh, with my, with my, uh, friend Joe and my friend Ruth and, in one of the opening scenes, it pretty much p- picks off where someone's trying to kill him and he's in a library and he has to use like books cause he has like no weapons to kill this guy. And it's this really tall guy. And, uh, they, you know, the fight scene occurs, it's crazy, they do some creative choreography with him, with this really tall guy, who's probably like 7'2 or something, and he kills him, (laughs) and my roommate starts clapping, (laughs) and the whole theater, we do a round of applause. (laughs) I love when that happens. (laughs) Because, like, we're just like, this is what we came to fucking see, like, Keanu Reeves killing people creatively, and... Like, I love that. <laughs> yeah, and he started it. That's what was so fun. Was just, he started it, and people totally joined in. Um, <laughs> Halle Berry's in a bit of the movie, and she's badass. Um, they just, they've continued this story in a way that they, they could do, if they keep making them like this, like, they could do as many as they fucking want. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, each one has made more money, and uh, I was so happy that not far after, basically, like, the director and or writer and Keanu, they all said, like, hey, if you guys keep coming to see him, we'll keep doing him. <laughs> well, I'm just like, you keep doing him, we'll keep coming to see him. <laughs> like, fuck yeah, we will. <laughs> like, he, like, was riding on a horse, like, in New York, uh, like, with, uh, like, a motorcycle chase sequence and... Just there's these scenes where they're absurdly long fight sequences, but in the best way that, like I said, the choreography is incredible and uh, the way that they direct the action. It's actually where you can see the action. Some movies, when they do action, they just do quick cuts and you don't see anything and you can tell that it's like they're not actually fighting like this. Nope, they're fighting and it's so masterfully done. I, like, can't wait to buy this one just like I did the other two and watch it again because, like, these movies are just so fucking fun. Uh, I was mad at myself for not seeing it a second time in theaters. Like, that's how good it was. And I'm so excited for whenever they uh, announce when Chapter 4 is going to happen because they also set up a next one, you know? like But also, like, this could have been a fine ending. Like, it's, it's not like I was upset that they're setting up another one because like, I want more, I want more and there's more story to tell. And also like, as the film was going on towards the end, I was like, I don't know if they can wrap this up in time, but I'm happy with the journey we've been on. And when it gets to the end, I'm like, okay, I'm game. Let's do it. (laughs) Sign me up. 
What, what, when's it coming out? I'll buy the tickets already. I'll pre-order. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get like on this, top of it. <laughs> Yeah, you you really do. Because chapter two, like I said, was my favorite. I loved it more than the first one. And then they're like, hey, hey, here's this one. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> like, and and they they just find ways to just make it so entertaining and thrilling, and they keep it with the like as far as like like I said, the creative teams like it. They all feel cohesive it's it's not like some franchises where different visions come in different writing styles different acting like nope these are what we're making they're gonna look like the first one they're gonna feel like the first one they're gonna sound like it like we joked i think what i told you before we're like they had little things like in the first one just uh like did you strike my son he's like yes sir i did he uh he killed john wick's dog and stole his car Oh, like, <laughs> like, like the dialogue's minimal. Like, there's even just like a part. It's like, it's like, John, are you pissed? Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's it. Like, it's just we, we're not here for talking. We're not here for monologues. We're here for fucking action. And that's what I I'm so excited to to see it again. It's so good. I gotta see it. We gotta see our you favorites. Do. You gotta see Hustlers. I gotta see John Wick 3. Yeah. And like I said, liked this better than Endgame, liked it better than Far From Home. Like, I loved those movies. But right now, I'd have to look at it, but Far uh, John Wick Chapter 3 is probably in my top two to three, you know, if not my favorite. So it's up there. Damn. Keanu. Back yeah, at it. Yeah, for the year. Yeah. Keanu. What a guy. Everyone, I just love him. Right? It's so weird how, like, everyone hated, like, not hated him, but, like, he just seemed like a joke. And then, like, in his older age, like, all of a sudden everyone's like, wait, he's actually been really nice this whole time. Yeah, we were like, oh, my God, we've been such assholes. He was not that bad. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, we're like, where did this come from? And it's not his fault that the Matrix ended up being really terrible. That is not his fault at all. He tried. He really tried. Well, could have been it. Yeah. Eh, I still yeah. I, def- I defend the sequels a little bit, but okay, well, that's where we just fundamentally disagree. <laughs> that's fine. We we can do that. It's okay. Yeah, I'm excited. The 20th anniversary of Matrix is coming up, and I'm going to go see it on the big screen at Music Box. Oh, that'll be awesome! I should see if anywhere like around here is doing that for me because that would be really cool to see that on the big screen. I obviously didn't. I was like way too young when it came out. Yeah, we so. were like seven. Yeah, there was like I mean, my parents let me watch a lot of like stuff I definitely shouldn't have, but I think I was like maybe ten when I finally saw the Matrix. So yeah, yeah, I wasn't exposed to it in the theaters for sure. That's too cerebral for my little seven-year-old brain. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jess. Well, uh, we finally were able to uh, remember all of our favorites from the summer, and uh, I guess yeah. Well, uh, when we're approaching episode seventy to uh, close out, we're coming up on the end here of twenty nineteen. Um, if anyone has topics that they'd really love us to discuss, uh, please let us know. Uh, reach out to us, uh, Jess. Where can they find you on the social medias? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jessquaz. You can find me on Twitter at the Pros T H E P R O Z E. On Instagram, I'm just Brandon Prosek. Uh, find me there. 
Um, you can follow Entertainment Buffet on social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can uh, please follow this podcast. Uh, we make it available on Pocket Casts, on Apple Podcasts. It should be on Spotify as well. Um, we're figuring, uh, trying to get it everywhere it can be. So please let us know if it's not on a service that you use so you can listen. Yes, although I feel like they would have to listen to hear you say it to do that. Yeah. But. 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 Eh, hey. Eh. Eh. Maybe you don't um, like Spotify and you like your Apple iTunes. Eh, I don't know you. Yeah, I don't know. We're on both. We're on both. Someone had to tell me what Pocket Cast was. I didn't know what Pocket Cast was. I didn't know we were on that until just now. I'd never heard of it before. <laughs> That's how popular we are. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, and uh, I'm going to announce something on here um, uh, because, you know, it's a special little thing for the listeners, but uh, something I'll be announcing soon on Entertainment Buffet social medias is starting in January of 2020, Brews and Bad Movies is going to be moving to the lounge of Music Box Theater. Woo, that's really huge. That's very exciting. Which I was looking up stuff about Music Box here in Chicago it turned 90 this year. Wow. Yeah. Damn, so I knew it was is, old, but I didn't know it was like that old. Shit. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, uh, there's a lounge where they have a projector and a bar, and that's where we're going to be doing Brews and Bad Movies. Um, looks like it's going to be the end of January, around the 29th or so. We'll announce the official date when that's locked in. Um, we're going to uh, pick, you know, a classic bad movie, probably like Super Mario Brothers. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and for those who don't know, Brews and Bad Movies, we uh, do a mini stand-up show, uh, and then we watch a bad movie, and the comedians, we all make fun of the movie, uh, like Mystery Science Theater. So uh, be on a lookout for when that uh, moves on over to the music box, uh, but we still have uh, coming up, uh, depending on when this episode drops, Brews and Bad Movie 6, we're watching Baby Geniuses on the 22nd. And then on December 13th for Bruce and Bad Movie 7, we're going to be watching Jingle All the Way. To oh, the yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Great so, choice. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so, guys, please, like I said, follow Entertainment Buffet and the podcast on all forms of social media, if possible. But, uh, yeah, Jess, we, uh, we did it. We reviewed the summer in November. We did it. <laughs> no one can tell us we didn't do it. In November. <laughs> we kept the tradition alive. We did, barely, but it's here. We did it. <laughs> we did it. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening to episode 69. <laughs> <laughs>